This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Fiala, right wing to center, being hounded by Lindholm. Gains the Vancouver line, middle of the ice. Left boards for Kopitar to the back door. Fiala scores! What a pass from Anze Kopitar. And Kevin Fiala just had to tap it past Thatcher Demko. Clark. Left wing to Byfield, into the Vancouver end, three on two, Byfield in front to Clark, and he scores! What a play to the backhand. As the Kings strike in transition, a couple of their young stars, Quinton Byfield and Brant Clark combine. It's Clark's second of the year, and it's 4-1 Kings. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Fiala sends it ahead for Moore on a breakaway, in to the backhand, he scores! Trevor Moore beats Thatcher Demko down low. And the Kings add insult to injury. It's 5-1. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks officially in a slump, losing their sixth out of the last seven games. A tough 5-1 defeat on home ice against the LA Kings. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. As always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Invent away. I can't blame fans for venting. Now, sometimes we vent and we say things we don't mean because we're just so upset about how things happen. So get it off your chest, whatever you feel. If you can text in, you can call in or whatever. Group therapy session. Absolutely. I'm not at the panic button stage. Let me just make that perfectly clear. However, out of the last four games, two have been absolute dreadful performances. One was in Seattle. This one here against L.A. This one is less excusable. That Seattle game, it was 10th game of 17 nights, nine different cities over that span. A lot of things you can talk about, tough stretch and everything, and sure, perhaps you say fatigue comes in, it's a long season, those things happen. There's no excuse for what they did tonight. This was a lack of effort, a lack of intensity, and in the third period where you needed a push, the Canucks made it 2-1 and then just completely folded. Now, a horrible call against Roenick, I, I thought that was a soft call, but you got to kill a penalty. Then you go down 3-1, and then you fall asleep completely and give up two more goals to lose 5-1. And that's my biggest issue here is they went far too meekly into the night in the third period. Yeah, that was a game where the first two goals, you know, some key mistakes there. But you're still in this game at the beginning of the third period. You score a goal to make it 2-1. And to your point, you might not agree with that penalty. It was a soft one, whatever. You still have to kill that penalty, guys. And, you know, one of the areas that I look at, your ability to bounce back from mistakes. First of all, I'm sure Rick Tockett's going to talk about puck management, right? You know, on those first two goals, you have Noah Juleson screening his own goaltender. On yeah. the second goal, you have Elias Pettersson has a chance to get the puck out, has a chance to get it out of his own. What happens? To the middle of the ice. Not that, you know, all <laughs> dissimilar from what Teddy Bluger did in the last game. So you have to look in the mirror and say, are you executing those details to the level the coach wants? But that being said, even later on in the game, you have an opportunity here where you can fight back into that game. You create yourself you know, an opportunity to get back into it, boys. And it was a couple of moments where L.A. played hard today. They were, they were leaning in. The Canucks, they didn't push back. They didn't push back, and L.A. picked them apart. Yeah, i got to be honest. I wasn't that overly impressed with the L.A. Kings. I, I, thought, I thought the effort was there, though, right? Where they were yeah. being physical. They were, they were kind of doing that. You know, I, I thought they were, they were far better than the Canucks, That's and they're playing within their structure, yeah. right? Very clear, like they were far better than the Canucks tonight. Yeah, and the, the the Canucks really had their own struggles on simple stuff like connecting three passes. That was something they were chasing the whole night. But if we're 
projecting the next three games against the LA Kings to get used to seeing this team. I, I didn't feel like they can't be beat. They're, they're a good team, but I, like I've watched Kings games. I've, yep. I've seen them look better than this. Now they've got some bodies missing, obviously, but you clean your, your own game up, you probably would have hanged in this game. But they, like you said, Zach, like the, the Seattle game you could understand, you could excuse. I'm pressed for looking for reasons why they looked so flawed this evening. We're talking about, like, passes. Yeah. It'd be one thing if you're under duress and you couldn't make a play. Like, there were moments where they, their head was up. You could see the guy, and they just whiffed. Like, we, we talk about the Pedersen one. Yeah. But the sequence even all leading up to that, like, before the icing. Myers has a chance to clear the puck out, and Hornick's been out on the ice for some time. It's well over a minute, and it's the long changes in the second period. Myers makes a mistake. Besser is skating the puck out of the zone. Yeah. you got to get to the red line and get that in deep. Yeah. Puck goes right to an L.A. King back the other way. Hronik goes up the wall looking for Besser. Just tip it out. Help me out, man. Get a tip on this. Get it in deep. I can go off. Doesn't happen. And now there's the icing. Then the Patterson one. And then there was just so many sequences of guys, like, with space. and Just didn't complete passes. One of the things we praised this team with earlier on was when they were playing connected hockey, you could see they were all in the same wavelength. Tonight they weren't. No. Where it was a very disjointed effort and, you know, whether it was, I think you could say about every single line, there were moments where you're saying, there's no chemistry here, or they're not playing on that same wavelength. So I think that was the case throughout the game, guys. Yeah, I thought so. And, you know, the thing that I'm also kind of, I wouldn't say concerned about, but wondering about more than anything else is, where's the chemistry? Yep. Right now with the lines, it looks disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the D pairs, they switch things up and really didn't have the desired effect here tonight at all. How do you get a semblance of chemistry back in? The, the coach went with the lotto line late in the third. They really didn't get up to much of anything. Besser had a horrible back check on the 4-1 goal. Just completely stopped skating, and next thing you know, it's in the back of your net. Too many things like that are going on as well, and that's the one thing I wonder about because we're not sure who's the best partner for Elias Patterson as a duo. We're not sure. Yeah. Lindholm and Garland, they're showing some moments, but now a couple games where they're not really doing much of anything. That's the one thing I'm... I'm looking at here is what can you do to get the chemistry going and find some duos? Because right now it's really not working. Yeah, and it really comes down to a couple of things. Even when they put the lotto line together, the lack of cohesion wasn't quite. There was a real lack of cohesion. The the confidence is not necessarily there. So a, a couple of things. One thing that they weren't able to establish, and it, they did it sparingly, was the forecheck. Right? You need um, you need a, an F1 that can get home. And that's something that Dakota Joshua is that guy. So part of you wonders, when is that player going to come into that lineup? At least gives a part of your lineup some confidence, a part of your your, your line potentially uh, the ability to create some possession. But outside of that, guys, yeah, it, it felt like the line blender was out there all night long trying to find an answer, whether it was Pew Suter with Lindholm and Garland, whether it was Baines up top with Miller and, and Besser, or just uh, a complete you know mix of players. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think... Coach is trying to try everything, but nothing seems to be sticking right now. There's a dire lack of speed yep. in the top end of this lineup. And tonight was evident. Because this game, again, wasn't played at such a tempo. You can say in certain areas it had that playoff intensity, but by and large... It was a staring contest early on. Yeah, significantly. And, you know, Jamie and I kind of talked about this in the first intermission, that it felt like this welterweight bout where the guys know they're going 12 rounds. These teams are going to see each other a bunch. Potential first-round matchup. So, potentially, like, 11 of the next 27-some-odd games could be against the 
LA Kings, and the first period just felt like exactly as you said, like a staring contest, just jabbing each other out and, and feeling it out. But it's not as if like the LA Kings were just tenacious on this repeated forecheck, and then the mistakes started to pile up, and then even when the Canucks were trying to get on the forecheck, it was easy stuff to get out of the zone, and, and let alone like the power play. We'll get to that, I'm sure, throughout the course of the evening, but... How many times did like Kings defenders look harassed trying to get out of the zone? Not at all. I mean, no. there was there was a couple of shifts, and any time JT Miller was fighting for the puck along the walls, I thought he made life difficult. And but he Sam Lafferty had a couple of moments as well, maybe, but like a couple, yeah. right? Uh, way too many guys just didn't come I, away I, with I think, pucks tonight. I, I think Hoaglander and Garland spent more time along the boards looking at the fans than they did in the middle of the ice. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, there, there was a lot of like, and look, they, they, they held the puck and like, they which were, is nice, but they were like <laughs> looking at the red seats yeah. more than they were in the middle of the ice. There was a lot of waist bending and, and reaching. Yeah. And yeah. by that I mean you're not you're not bending your knees, digging in. Yeah. You're, you're kind of reaching over, just just reaching over with your stick, trying to fish for a puck, hoping that maybe just maybe it connects with your stick. It's like, come on, you got to go in a lot harder than that. Especially in a matchup, guys, that you mentioned it, Bick, where you're going to see this team a lot. Um, your opposition is playoff tested, and the players on the Vancouver Canucks, for the most part, a lot of these veterans have played playoff hockey. You've been there before. You understand what it takes. you got to match that level. And, you know, Ian Cole mentioned yesterday in practice of manufacturing, manufacturing urgency, right? This is a game where we talked about the staring contest. The Canucks blinked twice in, in this game. They're down 2 nothing. They make a couple of mistakes. Well, that's when that urgency needs to come in. That's where, you know, you got to win those puck battles. you got to be aggressive on the forecheck. And chemistry is one thing. Effort is another. Just need to see more of it and attacking those... LA Kings defenseman, and there's some good ones there. Don't get me wrong. Drew Doughty had a heck of a first half of this game, especially where he was dictating a lot of things. But there's a bunch of other players that are are not all-stars. They're not all-world, and that you could attack with aggressive forecheck cause some turnovers. And the Kings were more successful doing that than the Vancouver Canucks uh, as the Canucks weren't able to bring it consistently. Yeah, and, you know, I see people mentioning in uh, this person saying, love this show, it's therapy, but instead of dissecting every goal, maybe, just maybe, we need to accept that Vancouver cannot raise their game to be good teams from the start of a game when the other team is playing hard. I'm not sure I agree with that because we've seen them play against good teams and play hard. Like, I agree. What they're doing right now is yeah. not good enough, mm-hmm. and they have to do better, This right? is their slump, yeah. But I don't think they're incapable of doing the things they've shown they can do well, they, earlier this season. They played with urgency against Boston. They played with urgency in the first 20 minutes against Pittsburgh. Yep. There, there's really no reason to have a fatigued performance. If you want to say the totality of these stretches of games against you know, post-All-Star break, okay. But like, they had multiple days off before from Saturday to Tuesday. They had It's not like tonight was a back-to-back or something. So there's been some rest here in this stretch. They're going to get multiple days off before Sunday, but like this, this looked similar, slightly better than the Seattle effort. But yeah, I mean it's low bar, the, right? Yeah, that's not a bar you should be trying to clear. You should be trying to clear at the very least, like the back forty of that Boston effort. In terms of beating good teams, going back to that text that they've beaten the Rangers, they've beaten the Dallas Stars, they've beaten. I don't need to go through the list. They've beaten some really good teams that are atop of their division, but. Timing matters as well, right? We're talking about the beginning of March where the game does change and the game has changed where you're going to maybe get calls, maybe you're not. And sure, there's a soft call against Philip Peronik there, but that's the name of the game. We're going to see a lot of that. They were second best even with that call. For sure. And you can, you know, I'm not blaming it on that call. I think overall we saw what L.A. did to them in the third period, attacking with speed down the middle of the ice, and the Canucks were in a situation where they couldn't cope with it. But more than anything, 
this is what hockey is at this time of the year. You have to be resilient. You have to bring the effort. And you mentioned it right off the top, Sat, where if you're not skating, if you're not getting to your spots, if the F1 is not able to get home, it's very, very difficult to win in this league. And right now, I think that's one of the areas where, A, you got to execute the details. The other thing is, if you're not generating off the forecheck, it's too comfortable for the opposition. Yeah, and I see, you know, stuff about officiating that's come up a lot. And, you know, we mentioned that call sure. our own soft call. That happens, though. It, but, and that's, yeah. that's my thing. Like, we can sit here and criticize it, but did the Canucks do enough to help themselves out? And if you're, if you're so weak mentally in terms of the gameplay that something like that's going to throw you off, I'm sorry, man. The playoffs are getting tougher. It's going to get harder in the playoffs. And There'll the be co- moments where yeah. it feels like the world's conspiring against you. Are you just going to give up and say, man, it sucks the world's against me? Are you going to fight through it? And that's why the coach, I'm sure if you get an honest moment with the coach, he'll be livid with how some of the calls have gone against them and how some games have been officiated, absolutely. But he's smart enough to understand they didn't lose those games because of officiating. How many things did the Canucks not help themselves with? And that's why if I see a game where, okay, the officiating was bad, and that's a difference because the Canucks played really well, I'm all for ripping into it and say, you know what, that, that's garbage, it's unacceptable, the Canucks deserve to win, and they didn't win because one of these things went against them. But what did they do tonight to deserve to win? Despite the fact they didn't get a couple calls going their way, what did they do tonight for you to say, you know what, if they had one call go their way, maybe they win this hockey game? Yeah, that's a valid point. Where you got to bring the effort, you got to bring the commitment to the game. And to me, you know, the coach has mentioned this numerous times. There's going to be situations where, you know, the heat is going to get hotter. It's going to get a lot hotter, right? We haven't had playoff hockey in Vancouver in some time. But the pressure that you're going to play with as a player, the pressure, the situation is going to be times 10. Mm-hmm. There's going to be moments where you feel like it's Vancouver versus the world again, right? But that's the reality of the situation. You have to cope with that. So as far as the the penalties and all of that, there's no conspiracy theory out there. Every team deals with this on a nightly basis. To me, it comes down to can you cope with that pressure? And, guys, we're in the, you know, in, in, if you're in the locker room, there's that the coach has that saying, pressure meets pressure, right? Like that's, that's his saying. It doesn't matter what the pressure is. You have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And as you get closer to March, you have to figure out how you cope with those moments. And I think today was a classic example of where this team played a team that is going to be in the playoffs. Could Very well could be a first-round opponent of the Vancouver Canucks. And you have to make sure in those moments that you don't blink first. That's what playoff hockey is. You don't make that mistake. At a moment that stands out, you can't cheat it, the power play goal, right? Like, Ian Cole, there's no reason to freelance on that play. Yeah. Like, Kevin Fiala is going to the net. Yeah. You can't be freelancing. Yeah, and, uh, and like, that's such a pivotal moment. You just get this goal. You're kind of back in it, and well, you're in no man's land. I, I saw, and, and we'll try to get some of the audio here post-game. I saw one of the quotes came up real quick because Canuck players are already meeting with the media here, and Ian Cole said he thought Kopitar was going to dump it in, and it was a bad read by him. Which, I mean, he's trying sure. to anticipate the play. But it's, yeah. it's a horrible read. I mean, when I saw the play happen, I'm like, yeah. Jose Kopitar can deceive people. Yeah, yeah. but it's but it's also He's like, pretty good. But here's the thing. like, What about the risk management of that yes. decision? Where it's like you're trying to anticipate a dump in, so yeah. you leave the net wide open. Is that a smart risk yeah. management decision? And one of the things with Cole, which we've noticed the last little bit, is fatigue getting to him. Because I know he's a better player than what he's shown. And much like the Canucks, I think they're a better team than what they've shown tonight in, in some recent games. I think Ian Cole specifically, guy's 35, a bit older now too, been a lot of games. He looks like he's behind the pace a bit, and he did not look like this for most of the season. Well, one remedy to that is going to be Carson Soucy whenever that happens. But, guys, Tyler Myers left the bench, right? There was a situation of, is he hurt? What's he dealing with? Um, so as much as I agree with you to say healthy competition 
third pair when Carson Soucy gets back, uh, we know how this plays out. There's going to probably, you know, the, your players are battling things. So I think ideally you want to be in the situation where you're saying Zadorov, Juleson, Ian Cole, it's a meritocracy. Whoever plays is going to get the ice who doesn't have, a, you know, maybe the best games you have a seat or you get a rest. But that's dependent on everybody staying healthy, which is up for debate right now with Carson Soucy and potentially Tyler Myers. Well, the, the whole decor tonight struggled. Yeah, in a big way, and, and constantly searching for solutions. Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes. I was saying today um, or, or yesterday, just kind of just talking about like who the Canucks' best player of the season has been. And for me, it, it is still Quinn Hughes, even though this recent JT Miller surge. And Hughes here recently, post All Star break, has kind of been I, I said lowercase good. Mm-hmm. Tonight was lowercase bad, and you know th- this team. You notice this slump that when he's just good. Games are more coin flippy. When he was really on it and tilting the ice, like he is such a force multiplier for this team. And when when you're not playing at that level, I, th- I think the, the the playing field gets a lot even. Uh, and and tonight when he struggled, dash three tonight, and in a big way, you can see like other teams kind of overpower it, 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 in stretches. Yeah, when your superpowers kind of go away. Not yeah. to reference Space Jam here, but you know that <laughs> everything kind of equalizes right a little bit. Where with Quinn Hughes, you go back to that Seattle game. Um, and tonight I felt the passes, not only Quinn Hughes, the team, but the execution's not there. You're either putting into skates, uh, you're getting in the way of your teammates. We saw that with the Bance, uh, Garland, Lindholm situation earlier on, just not reading each other correctly. So the details across the board, whether it's individually or from a collective, guys, it was, it was off, and I do wonder now as well where you'd expect this team at some point to get some rest in before they head out on the trip, but, you know, are they practicing tomorrow now based on tonight's effort? Uh, before we let you go, this text here was pretty good. Uh, let me see if I can find it again. Uh, it said... Jokes for 60 or what? No, it's pretty good. Jackson okay. the Plumber. Going on a slump right before the trade deadline with Trader Jim in charge is going to make the next week very interesting. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He's not the most patient individual when it comes to it. You've got a contending team, but you need a remedy. It's like when you go to the grocery store when you're hungry. It's like, yeah. ah. Yeah, I'm in the mood for everything. It's like every pizza. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Randy, uh, quickly before the final one here, Brandon Batcher is tweeting out that Elias Patterson declared before his scrum that he would only answer questions about tonight's game. Okay. He was, nas- he was not asked about his contract situation. Of course, that's one big story looming over the team. Your take on the latest today that um, Elliot Friedman mentioned the Carolina Hurricanes and Canucks were talking trade to some degree. The Canucks turned to Patterson in his camp and said, where's your head at, man? Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like they're back at the bargaining table negotiating a contract. But right now, Patterson's not commenting on it either. Certainly an interesting development. The details that came out over the last 24 hours are you don't generally see those happen so quickly. But one thing I'll say is, you know, deadlines do sometimes push something. And if you're a team, you're trying to set the table for now, but also for the future – yeah, you want some answers. You want some clarity on the situation. In the end, you know, the player still has leverage, but, yeah, if, if you're getting calls and you're letting the player know and saying, hey, by the way, we need an answer at some point and we are getting these calls, um, if it works out for a, a contract for this player, which it seems like is the case uh, eventually in the next couple of days here, uh, I don't mind the strategy because pressure ends up, Sometimes creating decisions and, and forcing decisions. Yeah, it certainly does. Randy, great stuff uh, calling the game here alongside 
I'm Brandon Batchelor, and we look forward to chatting with you on Mon Sunday when the Canucks are in Anaheim to take on the Ducks. All right. Have a good one. Until then, see you, boys. You got it. That is Randy Janda. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We have a full phone board. We're going to get to that coming up in just a moment, Bick. What do you want get, to get on from the Text Inbox? A lot happening here tonight. Uh, 650, 650. If you polled people preseason asking, they lost six of the last seven to end February, would they be in first place or last place in the West? What do you think the poll results would be? <laughs> Very much last place. Uh, that is too funny. Uh, 650, 650, though. Yeah, a lot of concern coming in. Uh, you know, some hyperbolic thoughts of they're barely going to make the playoffs, but nevertheless, uh, 650-650. <laughs> like I said before, I'm not panicking. And there's a difference between being frustrated with the game, criticizing mm -hmm. a game, and being panicked. I'm certainly not panicked. We are seeing some panic, however, in the text. Sure. And, and look, it is 6-7, right? Yeah, no, like, it's, it's, that's, it's, a, it's a legit slump. Yes. Uh, this one, worst we've looked all season. Can you imagine this team with an injury to a core player trying to be optimistic but absolutely lost for words? That is from JB. And, and yeah, like the, the, the health so far this season to premium key players has been there for the Canucks, yep. right? It's, it's Joshua, it's Susie, and boy, they look lost on both sides of both with the forward group and. The decor, like Susie, I, I'm really excited to see his return. Been singing his praises for for yeah. so long, but with, with the recent you know, usage for Ian Cole and the slippage in play as well, and you know, Zadorov and Myers weren't overly effective again tonight with, with their physical capabilities. Hughes had a really tough yeah. night. I, I don't Hughes hasn't played his best this past 13 game stretch yeah. since the All Star but break. Like, Fumbling the puck. That's the thing. Yeah. Tonight looked like he, he had real trouble connecting the play, fumbling the puck a lot. It just seemed like everything was exploding on his stick, mm -hmm. which is something we're just not accustomed to seeing uh, from Quinn Hughes. All right. Uh, I get one more text in here. It's from Steve in the Ridge. Keep the lines together. It's not working. There's been a lot of line juggling in so far to no avail. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Let's go to the phone boards. and Let's start things off uh, in East Van with Kevin on the line. Kevin, thanks for calling in, and what are your thoughts here tonight? How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Yeah. How, how about you? What do you yeah. have for us tonight? Good, good. I've played hockey my whole life. Uh, just Everybody Love just it. take a deep breath, relax. But the problem is, you know what? We've seen over the last 13 or 14 games that I Rick Tuck has been my favorite player growing up, but you've seen that there's gamers and there's not. There's uh, regular season guys, and it's starting to pan out very easily that Pedersen is not a – and I, I love him. He's not the playoff guy. You, If you want to talk about the bubble, the bubble when Demko took over, right? That was different. But you can see today when Kopitar just swatted him aside. Is that the guy you're going to give $12 million to? Uh, I'm just, it's very, very simple. If you watch the game carefully like I do, it's, it's just JT Miller right now. It's just, it's just, he's the only guy that's the gamer. Joshua comes back, Susie comes back. And Tockett's world, this is a four-line team. If they all play the four lines, we can succeed. At the beginning of the season, Rutherford said, if everything goes right, nobody gets injured, we're going to be okay. If not, it's going to be different. But there's some guys you got to really think hard about if you're going to put all that money into him, because he's a great San Jose Sharks for so many years, great regular season team. What happened after that? I'll let you. I'll listen now. 
All right, hey, uh, thanks for your phone call. I- I'm not sure I necessarily agree with um, a lot of the stuff there. I agree that JT's been the guy coming away with the puck. Mm-hmm. I-, I find the stuff about Pedersen in the bubble to be like, yeah, but, yeah, but, and he plays in physical games, and he w- did just fine. Pedersen is more than capable to play through physical hockey. He's not doing it as well as he should be recently, no doubt about it. Uh, we've had this discussion so many different times. I'm a believer in Patterson's game. I'm a believer in him projecting to get better and being able to be successful. Some don't believe it. And honestly, until we see him playing in the quote-unquote real playoffs. Natural playoffs. Until we see that, nobody's really going to know. So fire off your takes, and we'll see ultimately if, if you're right about it uh, as, as time goes on here. Continue continue getting your thoughts into our text inbox. We'll get to those coming up in a second. Uh, well, let's continue on the phone boards, uh, and let's go to Langley where we have Jake on the line. Jake, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts? Hey guys, can you give me a little bit of a run here? Um, I'm not panicking at all whatsoever. That's, okay, so there's there's three things I want to say. First of all, when Joshua comes back, that fixes the third line. Okay, so that, that that's already a fix. We already know there's chemistry there. That's done. When Susie comes back, there's your defender. That pretty much fixes the D. Yeah, we can use a little bit more depth, but that is a pretty major acquisition. Think of it like a trade deadline acquisition. So what's the real problem here? I think we need another top six forward. I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that that is something we still need. Now, I understand we went and we got out Lindholm, and it hasn't worked so far. But you know what? Sometimes this is just how it happens. You trade for a guy. He doesn't have a good, great fit. What do you do? Well, you can either flip him back or you can try to make it a solution. And what, one of the solutions that you can do is bring in another top six guy. This is Jim Rutherford here. And I'm, I'm 100% certain he sees exactly what I see. And they're going to go out and they're going to get another top six guy. And I really hope it is a guy like Jake Ansel, even if it's going to cost an arm and a leg. It's, remember, they've already spent so much, so much um, I guess, assets this year that they're all in. They don't have a choice now. So you might as well go all, all in. It's not, I'm not saying you've got to trade, you know, LeCarrie Mackey or Willander. But I'm just saying you, you need to really push it. And I think a top six guy, even if it's a China or something like that, would make a lot of sense. And I think that will kind of stabilize all the lines a little bit and give some time, 20, 25 games, to really calm everything down and get some chemistry. So what do you guys think? Hey, Jake, just hang on to the line right there. So when Joshua comes back and he said that'll fix the third line, do you want Bluger back there or Lindholm to stay there? I think we lost them. Oh. Fast Eddie Gregory. No, he's there. All right. He hung up. He hung, he hung up. up. All right. All right. But, like, Eddie's like, it's not my fault. He hung up. That's the thing, right? <laughs> Is it Bluger, Joshua, Garland back together, or do you stay with the three centers? Right? So that chemistry that was there, it's removed now because it's not Bluger being there with jo- with Joshua and Garland. It, it's going to have to sort that part of it out. The other thing is, like, okay, well, Susie comes back. That'll fix the deep. So what, no other injury is going to happen? Right. You can't just assume health. There's always another injury coming. I do agree with the fact, though. We, we mentioned it earlier. Top six forward. Of course. Need some speed. And like I've been mentioning, you know, on radio and, and also on TV today. Because you're, you're, you're a double threat. Yes, not, not a triple threat. I don't write, you know, nearly as well as Ian McIntyre does. But I do believe they're they're very much looking to make a sizable addition if they can. Now, that doesn't guarantee they'll be able to pull it off, but they want to make another addition to the forward group, I think, especially somebody that can put the puck in the net, play in your top six. I think there is more than enough room to add somebody like that to the team. It's just, are you able to pull that off by the deadline? That's, that's really the big thing. I know they're aggressive and they're trying. There is a talent hole for it. 
is there cap space and roster space for it? Yeah. And you're going to have to get creative because the type of player you're talking about probably costs a certain amount of money. There was hesitancy earlier this season to mix with the roster too much because of how well they're playing. As Jackson the Plumber was suggesting with Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin at the helm, are they maybe less reticent to make a move that flips things around a little bit? Well, it's not as, as if the chemistry is working right now. Yeah, and and doesn't mean you, you can't regain it. You have to yeah. be careful, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater just because you're going through a bad stretch and all that, for sure. But I just wonder if that's something they look at. Um, and those saying Phil Kessel, Phil Kessel can give you some depth. He's not stepping in and playing your top six or top nine and making an appreciable difference. That's that's, and I don't think there was an expectation that he's coming in to do that. He might sign and he may provide depth, but that would pretty much be what he's here to provide. All right, uh, let's continue uh, on the phone boards. Let's take another phone call here, and let's go to Prince George, where we have Jim on the line. Jim, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? First of all, I mean, don't want to reiterate what you guys and Randeep were saying. I mean, there's some excellent comment there. You're reading my mind. I'm just wondering, like, Pedersen gets knocked off the puck so easy. Are we just overreaching for the fact that he's a first-line center? Or I mean, like you guys were saying, I think he's under development still. But I remember, you know, a couple of Sandines that were having similar issues. And just so easy to strip the puck from. Like, multiple defensive zone giveaways. And, uh, yeah, the effort level was absolutely poor, but I don't think we're going to go very far in the playoffs with the mix we have. I think they're still developing a good team and dealing with the cap hit. But I think we're starting to see the low end of the scale, and we're a median in between the beginning of the year and this. But, I mean, just too soft, way too soft to play a, a heavy game i mean marshan's gonna come and you know punch guys in the head five times remember from the 11th playoffs you know you're gonna have to deal with that kind of stuff and still come up with a game that can beat the other team and that's what we're missing is have they figured out talk it system and that's what we're dealing with or i'm interested to hear what you guys say uh hey thanks for the phone call and, and listen i understand the um the concern and when you see your team go from playing so well to playing the way they are, and this is where the recency bias comes in. It's like, you know when the Canucks were winning, it was like, they're the best team by far. Like, no one's going to touch them. They're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. And it's like, it's not going to continue going as smoothly. And when it goes bad, it's like, oh, my God, they're the worst team. It's like, you you, you got to level out a little bit too, right? Just when They're, they're playing, not they're as good as they played. They're not as bad as they played. Yeah. The truth is in the middle. I think there's a lot of that here that you have to, I think, you know, keep an eye on. I don't disagree that... The tr- these last games here, there's been some moments where it's a Pittsburgh game in the final 30, Seattle game, whatever, but in the game here tonight, there's a level of intensity that you need that they're not reaching. And if you can't reach that come the playoffs, it's not going to be a long run. Which, like, some guys have reached it. Like, JT against Pittsburgh, yeah. that was tremendous. JT against Boston, that was tremendous. He's He's hitting his peak. Other players have to start matching it. And it's going to get to a stage where every team is going to be fighting for their playoff lives, and they're going to be playing desperate. you got to start activating into the final part of the season. I always talk about 20-40-20, right? You start with the opening part of the season. You have your plan, your preseason plan. You try what you can. You see how long it goes. And then you get to the experiment part of the season. Mm-hmm. And they've 
experimented and they kind of found some things with Bluger, Garland, Joshua, that worked and they found some more things. Now you're going to get to the final stage where everything should be honed and fine-tuned and you're sprinting to the finish line. Now they happen to have a sizable head start on everyone in the Pacific, so they don't necessarily need to sprint for the full 20, but you're going to get games against teams yeah. that are already in that sprint. And for a team that I thought after game, honestly, game 35, game 40, had kind of found their identity. Boy, these last 17 have really started to open up a little uh, questions into that idea. That, They're I, not I, playing to their identity as consistently. Yeah, like this stretch here, I'm not sure I know what Canucks hockey is supposed to look like. We have an idea of what it looked like in December and January. It's not this right now. And that's that's always a big fear for me, that like, once you find your identity, you, you stick to it. And the teams that find their identity the fastest, the game just becomes robotic for them. And they've, they're they fighting themselves right now. So they, they got 20 games here to reestablish their identity. They know what it is. You, you, they're not still searching for it. And the caller there is saying, like, are they going to be tough enough to, to do all these things? Well, they were tough enough in the beginning of the year. Now, the game's obviously going to ramp up. But it is in them. But right now, they're they look like a group that's searching. Yeah, and that's a like that's the biggest concern for me right now. A hundred percent. And those are the things that I still think they can get out of them. You have to get back to doing so. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty after a five one Canucks loss on home ice against. The LA Kings and more is coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Deneau back to it. And it knocked off his stick by Pedersen. Hirona gets it to the line for Miller. Try to pass across for Hughes. Broken up by Fiala. Sends it ahead for Moore. On a breakaway in to the backhand. He scores! Trevor Moore beats Thatcher Demko down low. And the Kings add insult to injury. It's 5-1 in the final five minutes of the game. And when you're chasing the game against the LA Kings, they can strike and transition real quick. And Trevor Moore is a, a classic example of that where JT Miller makes a backhand pass in the offensive zone at the blue line. That's intercepted and off to the races are the LA Kings. Moore gets the pass, splitting two Canucks. And he ends up beating Thatcher Demko on the backhand. Canucks lose 5-1 on home ice against the LA Kings. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. We are, we are going to get to the thoughts of the Canucks head coach coming up in just a few moments. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to the dispatch plumbing and heating hotline in a few moments as well. But before we get to all that, Bic, what's popping off on the text inbox? And what are the people saying after the tough loss here on home ice for the Canucks? Uh, plenty happening in the inbox, uh, the ones that we can read. Let's get to them. Uh, this one, I felt sick to my stomach when the all when all the all-in talks started a couple of months ago. I should have trusted my gut. Lindholm, complete failure. This core is crumbling under the pressure again. The best they'll ever get out of them is a first-round exit. Blow it up! That one's coming into the inbox. 650-650. Girk from Cold Lake. Quinn Hughes tonight played with no motivation. Very easy entries for the Kings. Lazy game from Vancouver overall. They need some grit on the trade deadline. That is from Girk in Cold Lake. 
And this one, uh, Bungalow Jim, PD criticism, warranted tonight the 2 nothing goal was a key moment in the game. Mm-hmm. Entirely his fault, his laziness directed directly resulted in a goal against, and the rest of the game looks completely bleak after that. Yeah, uh, not a great game for number 40, and I'm not sure it was a really strong game for many Canuck players outside of number 9, JT Miller. And again, it, it wasn't like he was great, but yeah. he was the one guy that Relative was Relative to everyone. Yeah, he was coming away with pucks. He was throwing the body around, I, I don't playing know with it intensity. Im- I don't know if it impacted the goal at all, the, the first goal, but his change was slow. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was tough. It was tough. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Let's take a couple phone calls here before we get to the head coach. Let's go to Coquitlam where we have Marcus on the line. Marcus, thanks for calling in. Now, what are your thoughts here tonight? Uh, hi, uh, Sad. I, hey, buddy. And Big uh, Nassar, I listen to your show all the time. Uh, is it time for Rick Talker to bench Aaliyah McKayev? Because he, he's not skating well and mm-hmm. he's not playing well. And he... PD is really struggling. Should we just uh, bench him for for a couple of games and then try for him to try to figure it out? Hey, uh, thanks for your f- yeah, thanks for your phone call. I appreciate you listening and the kind words. So you're running out of options. Yes. Now he said, did he mention PD at the end too? Maybe resting PD for a couple of games. I'm not sure you go with him. Yeah. It's like your star guys. That I don't go to that no, stage. It's, it's, on Mikheyev. On Mikheyev. Um, I think it's overdue. I've defended Mikheyev's game a lot mm-hmm. this season, um, and I think that he's a better player than what he's shown. There's no way in defending the last 15 games, 20 games he's played. Well, it's 30 without a goal. 30. That's a big number. It's mm-hmm. almost half a season like we're getting close to. Like over a 30-year season, you haven't scored a goal in. But it's coming down to, to me, production aside, is he making an impact on the forecheck? Is his speed there? Is he winning puck battles? He's not doing those things things consistently. And considering what the coach always talks about staples-wise, effort-wise, he's kind of skating by. You know, and I'm not questioning the coach's um, credibility here because I, I think he's done a fantastic job and his staff a, as a whole. But you're getting to a, it's getting pretty close to how are you justifying this guy staying in the lineup considering the standards you've hold, held so many players to. He's not producing. The bottom line is not there. He's not making an impact defensively. The speed's not there, and he's not winning puck battles. H- how is he a player right now playing to the team's tenets that you have to keep him in? Phil DiGiuseppe played 921 tonight. Ilya Mikheyev played 1036. And Teddy Bluger played 1114 tonight. Those are your low guys uh, tonight. Uh, Sam Lafferty at 1140. And, yeah, it, it's the the thing, too. And, and we always get these texts of, like, Ilya Mikheyev, you're big. Blow some guys up on, on the forecheck. On, you know, he's, he's not a put-a-guy-through-the-glass type of player. He's a I'll-separate-man-from-puck yeah. type hitter. But even that is deteriorating from his game. One hit tonight for Ilya Mikheyev. Two shot attempts, both of them on goal. But, yeah, his, his overall speed is significantly lacking. And, and you thought there was a stretch there right before the All-Star break. It was starting to pick back up. You're like, mm-hmm. all right, you get a handful of days away, mini-buy, and you come back refreshed and energized, and he has regressed in a big way. Yeah, he certainly has. Let's take one more phone call here before we get to the Canucks head coach, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And let's go to Richmond where we have Ryan on the line. Ryan, thanks for calling in. Uh, What are your thoughts here tonight? Hey, boys. um, 
I'm uh, I'm going to pull a page out of IMAX book here and give you a bit of a triple threat on tonight's game, and then I'll, right. uh, I'll hang up and let you listen. Or, uh, That's a I'll high bar, man. That's I, a high bar. You better bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I um, – I uh, I gotta say that um, I have never heard of the Larshiders section in my entire life, and I had no idea that that was a thing that the team did. Um, and if anyone that's listening doesn't know about it, it's an entire section where you just stand for the entire game, but the tickets are the same price. I don't. It's kind of strange. I'm. I, I don't know how new that is, so I'm just kind of wondering about that. And then in terms of the. Uh, to pull a little Tom Mayanak and do bulls and bears of the game, you know, it's always got to be best when uh, when he's the only goal scorer. And in terms of bears, I mean, it's got to be Canucks ticket sales because this is the fourth game I've been to this season. For the first place team in the NHL, it's sold out in the top, and the bottom has so many empty seats for a team that good. It's is it the prices? I, I don't know what's going on with them, but uh, but yeah, I just. Uh, Love to get your guys' thoughts, and uh, great show as always. Hey, uh, thanks for your phone call, Ryan. As far as attendance goes, uh, announced attendance was 18,801 tonight, which is, I think, a couple hundred, a hundred and some away from a sellout. Um, sold tickets doesn't always mean butts and seats. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think in a game like this where it lacked a lot of energy, I would imagine the concourses were busier than perhaps the seats <laughs> at one point. Somebody texted in, and, and uh, forgive me for not referencing who it was, but said, hey, it was disappointing to see in a game, you know, even down 3-1 fans, you know, r- rushing out of the building. Those things are going to happen when a team struggles, and you're down 5-1 the way they were. Atmosphere mm-hmm. wasn't fantastic, but did the Canucks give the, the fans Yeah, it's anything? not like a comeback was on the you horizon know? at any point. So, uh, you know, I, I'll give the fans a, a pass on that one here tonight. Uh, what else did you think of what Ryan had to say? Uh, yeah, like the... The atmosphere today uh, was lacking, but that's partly due to the uh, performance on the ice. As far as the large hiders go, uh, it's been a mainstay for for some time. Uh, they pop up on the scene and provide a great environment uh, when when things are uh, even at their bleakest. Mm-hmm. They've been there in the stands to uh, provide a nice environment for fans. Yeah, I, I know. I'm there, I'm there with you. Uh, Nav and Dallas is finally you stopped defending Mikheyev. I told you months ago. Why is he staying in the lineup? <laughs> He's useless out there. Puck dies on a stick. No need to pay. Five million plus for a four checker. He needs to go. Again, I think he's a far better player than what he's shown. There's no defending how he's played recently. And in terms of taking him out of the lineup, it would be justified. We'll see what the coach does. But as far as what the coach thinks about what happened here tonight, a 5-1 loss against the LA Kings, here is Rick Tockett meeting with the media postgame. Well, I didn't think we gave him a lot, but what we gave him was uh, was egregious. A couple of, you know, they're egregious. You know, we... <clears throat> I mean, you look at the goals. They're just, you know, we're all in pushing the chips, and so we got to, we got to correct it. We got a day off tomorrow. Some guys need it. We got to recharge, and uh, we just got to get our mind right. You talked about turnovers the other night. Is same story again in terms of some of those mistakes that end up in the back of your net? Well, I don't think we turned as much as last game, but I just the plays, like I said, were coverage plays, um, pinching at the wrong time, you know, PK. Anticipating we should just stay in front of the net and knock the puck down. It's 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 like they're, they're egregious. It's not many. I think I don't know if they had like a ten or chance. They didn't have many chances, but they're egregious chances. So uh, the Kings seem to really slow down the pace of play quite yeah. a bit. 
Um, how do you break out of that so that you're playing at your pace the way you want to play? Well, you got to win some battles. You know, they, they, the first period, you know, they were coming out of the puck. We'd have two, they'd have two, and they'd come out with the puck. We were late on uh, <clears throat> chip-ins or even on rush plays. Uh, we weren't really fast to those areas. And that's, you know, it's to me, it's just a will to get there quicker than them. And they, uh, especially early, they kind of bottled things up and played their style. And sometimes you have to do that. You know, they're not going to let you do some things, then you're going to have to do a couple little things differently. Um, refused the, early, the D didn't shoot the puck when they should have right away. We're D to D and then re- reset it. It was a combination of a lot of things. Forwards didn't come up with loose pucks. And like I said, I don't think we gave him much. It's just a matter of fact, what we gave him was egregious. Your split-up power play units have come up with a couple of goals, but is that something you see continuing for much longer, or will you reunite kind of your best players on one? Well, eventually we're going to have to do it, but, you know, I don't want to have two power plays tonight. We scored one. It was a pretty good, damn good goal, so I'm not sure that's the problem. You know, right now, I just think that, uh, you know, there's six or seven guys who are just – they're not their game's not there um, for every reason. Some guys got heavy legs, and we're gonna have to, you know, hopefully this day off will recharge some guys. At five on five with such little space playing the Kings, is it a case of you need to do more with less? You need to find, you know, move quicker in in the space that you well, have. Well, move quicker, but also body position. You know, sometimes our body position. I hate to say mind boggling, but we're, for some reason we're backs against the wall. You got to be in front of. Like it's body position, then the puck. It's not the puck first, and it's we're losing those battles. <clears throat> now maybe it's getting harder, and um, guys got to realize, you know, that that's the that's the game that's going to be out there, coming, you know, from here all the way to to wherever, April. So you got to be able to learn, not learn, just the technical part of it, but also the will to get those pucks. I mean, that game is about w- winning puck battles, <clears throat> and they won more than us. Kopitar scores a goal. He sets up the third goal. Yeah, you know, big time player from a guy that's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Is that the kind of clips you want to turn around and show your guys and say like, this is what a big game player is? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, we, our guys have been playing hard all year. I mean, some guys are struggling. Some of the big guys, you know, and they're, they're, you're going to go through stretches, and they're going to have to figure it out. But figure it out is not all in. You know, you can't play an all in style. I'm going to pinch when I want. You know, I'm going to throw a puck out in the slot when there's coverage there. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to change bad when I want. I mean, those are the things that when I first got here, were, you know, I, the one that, when the goal there, the change was bad, and then obviously our coverage sucked, even though we had people there. Those things just can't happen. You know, they can happen once in a while, I get it, but they've just been happening too frequently right now. Hey, Coach. Uh, Elias Patterson finished January with, I think, 14 goals, and now he finishes February with just two goals. What do you think the difference has been, and what do you think of his play tonight? I thought he tried tonight. You know, I think he's going to have to change a few things. Um, you know, hold on some pucks there. You know, I'm sure he wanted that one back. He threw it away. That's the stuff that usually he doesn't do. He holds on to it makes the right play. You know, he's struggling, you know, in certain parts of his game, but, you know, he'll come out of it. You know, I think that uh, he's too good of a player not to to come out of it. You've talked a lot about your staples, and when you look at how this has happened this game, late in the Pittsburgh game and, and at various other times in the yeah. last couple of weeks, 
those staples seem to be missing. Yeah. When you think after 50 games or 55 at that point that, that that would at least be set. How do you balance that between giving these guys a break, pushing them harder, and pushing those emotional buttons? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you always fall back on your foundation and staples when things are struggling. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's you know, us coaches got to do a better job. It's the, the leadership group has to make sure that they stick together and do a good job. And it's individuals as, a, as themselves look at themselves and say, hey, what can I do better? So it's a collective thing. It's an organizational thing for us right now. Um, we are lacking some staples. You know, we're not chipping the body enough. I don't think our changes have been great. We're missing that a lot, too. I mean, high shots over the glass, you know. It's, it's um, I mean, that's the one thing we got to correct. We're, sh- we're shooting so high. Um, I think if we just correct about two or three things, get some get some guys, you know, getting their confidence back, having uh, a day off here, a good practice, and going on the trip might help us. But, um, you know, you get punched in the mouth. You got you to gotta stand up and take it. You know, you're ch- you can't be hanging your heads. I hate when guys hang their heads. You got to have your chest up, ready to go. Um, and we're in a, we're a bit of a funk right now, and we got to get out of it. You split up Hronik and, and Hughes uh, for the first two periods. Yeah. It looked like both pairs that they were on struggled to to exit the zone, and then you put them back together for the third period. Did, like, what do you think the best solution is for for well, how they work? I mean, they got to play better. I mean, they know it. I mean, they got the best solution is they got to play better. Together. Or well, I don't care who they're playing with. You know, they got to be able to. You know, you got to be able to defend. You know, some maybe we're playing them too much, um, but they got to defend better. I think, for sure, and take what's given. But it's just not them. I mean, we. Uh, it's a collective. You know, like I said, I don't think we gave them much. But like I said, we're you can't give breakaways. You can't anticipate instead of staying in front of the net. You can't pinch. And give a guy three on one. Like these are just egregious. That you can't do. You know, once in a while it's going to happen, but I think they're just too frequent for our club. And we 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 hang, we hung our hat most of the year on play without the puck, and we've lost that right now. And we need a lot some guys to to get right by, buy into it. And you know, sometimes you might have to win a game two nothing or two to one. And I don't know if we have that mentality right now. I think we're some guys haven't scored in a while. And we're pressing. And then when you press, you lose your coverage. You lose your man because you're pressing for goals or assists. And, you know, stats look – I, I hate stats. Stats come when the team plays well. If you, if you chase stats, then, you know, that's what happens. But just as a former player and as a coach as well, what do you think a road trip at this point can do to kind of break out of this funk that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been on the road a lot this month. So whether it's a road trip or whatever, if we just got to get – you know, get get a good you know good day off, good practice, and and you know, figure out a couple of things, get some people, get their confidence back, and and get get on a roll. That's really what it comes down to. What do you think for a situation for RSD Baines? He's getting the call up, and in the situation to kind of experience what a funk is like for a team. What does that do for a guy who is just getting his feet wet in the NHL? Well, you got he's got to make sure he's insulated. You know, the leadership group, the the players. You know, he you know, a young guy like that. You got to make sure that he's you're around him, coaches. Talk to him. Hey, this is part of it, you know. And uh, unfortunately, he's been part of the, 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 the more of the losing. But it's good. It's good. As long as he's insulated, you know. He, I don't want him by himself. Hundred percent. No way. He's too good of a kid and player. 
Um, throughout the second and third period, there was a lot of line switching amongst the Forge group. Was that just more for trying to find a spark at, yeah. at that moment? Yeah. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-1 loss against the LA Kings. And uh, suffice to say, not very pleased with the effort from his team. A lot of things. Now, he did mention there are a lot of things that are correctable, two or three things in terms of what they have to do for it to change. He mentioned uh, we didn't give them much, but what we gave them was unacceptable, really egregious mistakes, the breakdowns. Uh, as he mentioned, the bad line change, uh, the bad back check. And we had somebody text in and say, you guys talk at all about Besser's poor back check mm -hmm. on the 4-1. We mentioned, mentioned it a bit, yeah. a bit earlier, but it was just a really poor effort from him and also his line mates. You know, it's kind of skating off for a change at the same time. There's a two-on-one going back the other way, right? He stopped skating. There's a lot of that stuff that's been happening that you just can't find acceptable. They look like a tired team, mm -hmm. but to me that excuse doesn't stick anymore. But that's what they look like. The coach mentioned they need some more time off or whatever it is, and maybe a day of rest is going to help them. But some of the decisions they made, just simply not good enough. And we mentioned how you watch them in puck battles. You see a lot of waist spending, guys reaching in. They're not really digging in for it. And exactly what he got to. He's like body positioning, backs against the walls. We have to get in front of the guys. You have to body position and be willing to get in there to win pucks. And they're just not showing the same willingness in those moments. And that's something that obviously has to change and get back to what they were doing earlier this season. Yeah, you're not putting yourself in athletic positions yeah. to, you know, A, have, have appropriate balance to fight in those moments. And, you know, when contact does arrive, you're, you're going to get pushed off really easily. And you mentioned, um, you know, in moments when they're you know, two-on-twos, they're, they're losing the puck battles. When they were trying to you know, change the tempo of the game, they're, they're, they're late in plays. And, and, and a lot of that leads to these all-in plays that he kept referencing. Uh, it, it was – we've heard him mad him re here recently. That was disappointed. Yeah, that was very much like I'm not mad, disappointed. Uh, I'm just disappointed. And this text says talks. Uh, talk sounds like a coach that's trying his utmost to be in control and not present any sort of ounce of panic. I do think he's also being careful. Like he's he's also used the card the last little while, a couple of times where he's gone in on the team. He did mm -hmm. it in the Seattle games, done it previously as well. You can't keep going back to that all the time. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things you have to kind of massage that. You can't be you know going off. You know, two out of three games, you know, two out of four games. Do things like that at some point. That message kind of gets a bit stale. Like it's hard for the players to get through. But he did sound like a coach who was very frustrated, but did his best to, to maintain that control as he was talking about it. Jokes per 60. We oh, take them in the inbox. 650, please, 650. Please. Uh, maybe it's time to put staples aside and start using glue. <laughs> was that Austin? <laughs> I don't know who it is, but that's strong. Uh, that was a good one. I like that text message. Uh, we had we had a few uh, of them. Uh, there was a couple other jokes that came in that I got, uh, got a good laugh out of. Austin and Langley said, I thought uh, he tried tonight. Sounds like my wife talking about me doing chores around the house. <laughs> that's a good one, too. Uh, and we had this one earlier from Spiritual Advisor. You guys haven't even mentioned the newest addition to the bench. Talkett's goatee is looking great, but unfortunately not helping the Canucks win. Hashtag Talk's goatee versus Sat's hair. That's an easy win. Oh, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take, take it. it. Plus, you're 40 now. You uh, <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Alex and Regina says, this team should trade for Toffoli. Not only has he 
played power play one with this core. He also played very well with Lindy last year as an Elias Lindholm. Give them more options. That's Alex and Regina. That's that a is text music. After my heart. Yeah, that's a. That's exactly what Bic Did wanted I to text hear. That one in? You might have been. Look at the number. Uh, ah, no, it's a it's it's yeah. a it's a different area code. There you go. It's definitely not you. There you go. Although Bic may have no, burners of different area codes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like ludicrous, except I got burners. Yeah. Uh, God. <laughs> I got burners. In different area codes. Uh, all right. We'll get back to your text messages here coming up in a few moments. Let's take a phone call here. Before we hit the break, we have people patiently waiting to get on. Uh, so let's go to Tyler calling in from Langley. Tyler, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us here tonight? I just wanted to call about the board and then a bit about the lineup. I think that um, we should go back to the lotto line. You know, when they were on, they were the best in the league. And and uh, maybe even go back to the Hughes-Ronick pairing. And then when Joshua comes back, you have your third line. I would use Lindholm as the second-line center. And with Hoaglander, maybe bench McKayev for a game or something, give him some rest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then the third line or fourth line center. Yeah, um, he should definitely not be a first line player. He should be our fourth line center. And um, that, that's my opinion. Unless they're going to pick up uh, a winger, and then I like the four, the strong four center look that we have now. But you need another winger. You just hey, hey, hey your you phone line's breaking up right now. Hey, thanks for the call, Tyler. But your phone uh, line is breaking up. I think the point he's trying to make is find another winger. Mm-hmm. There for um, you know perhaps Elias Patterson. I know others text and it's like, why do you got to find him a winger? He's got to be better. And both things are course, true. Yeah. He's got to be better. And this text here says it's PD's contract dragging the whole club down. God forbid you would say this, PD fanboys, is what this one text <laughs> message says. All right, you know, God forbid. Uh, anyways, I do think Patterson can be a lot better. But the reason. Tyler makes the point, and others make the point of... Do you think Brock Besser on that back check was like, oh, Petey's contract, I shouldn't go all the way? Yeah, I mean, t- to me... Ian Cole's got the puck on uh, watching Andre Kopitar. He's like, you know, I could go to the corner. Right, but Petey's contract, I should go to the corner, corner. not yeah. check uh, Fiala behind me. 100%. Uh, I get it. Now, on on the finding another player for, for Pedersen or finding a winger for him or a winger that can play in your top six or top nine, it's not about... Can Patterson play with certain guys and get a decent level production? Sure. But if you're trying to win and go deep, you, you kind of want running mates. I mean, does Pittsburgh just say, hey, we got Crosby and Malkin. Screw it. Who cares? These guys can make anybody good. Well, why would they go out and sign Hosa? Why would they go out and trade for Phil Kessel? You know? mm-hmm. So it's like you always want to make your team better. And if you put find a pair, you know, find somebody that can be a duo with him, I think that could make a big difference for the team. And, and that's what I'm looking at more than anything else. It's not even so much about, I think Patterson has to be better. Even if Patterson was, was driving play and playing fantastically well, my take would still be, can you find him a winger that can play at a higher level with him? Whether it's him or whether it's for Lindholm or however you figure it out, I do think they can add somebody that can really go. And Toffoli came up. I know that's something we, that you're a big fan of, of course, mm-hmm. as we just mentioned. But I'm all for if they can add a, a legitimate top six forward here. Yeah, the thing is, it's like the, the market still hasn't really separated, right? Like, I've been talking about the Toffoli thing for so long, but you need the Devils to slide out. They're five points back of Philadelphia with a game in hand. So do they feel emboldened to say, all right, time to pack up shop on the idea of this season, and we'll reset for next year, and we can start selling our UFAs, or 
are they still giving it the try here? And, and I, I think they've got a bit of a uh, easier schedule here this next little bit because I think they're on a California uh, swing right now, the New Jersey Devils. So I think they play uh, Anaheim coming up here. So, uh, yeah, they play the Ducks tomorrow after coming off a, a 7-2 win against the San Jose Sharks. So is there another chance to get a win tomorrow? They play L.A. on Sunday. Then they play Florida. Then they play St. Louis. So there's four games before the the trade deadline. How much of that is, is going to influence their decision-making here? If they go 2-2 two and two and the Flyers go 2-2 two and two and they're still in the same spot, like I, I don't know if someone like that is going to you know, creep available. So the, the overall market – I know we keep talking about Gensel. It, it just keeps feels like it keeps coming back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think Gensel, if you can pull that off, it might be very difficult to do. But that's something, of course, that you, you keep an eye on. All right, keep your thoughts com- coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line on the Dispatch Plumbing and Heating hotline, 604-280-0650. As we continue on the postgame show, it's Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar on the home of your Canucks Sports and 650. And the show is brought to you by the number five orange, a Vancouver legend, and they've got sports too right here on Sportsnet. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Fiala, right wing to center, being hounded by Lindholm. Gains the Vancouver line, middle of the ice. Left boards for Kopitar to the back door. Fiala scores! What a pass from Anze Kopitar. And Kevin Fiala just had to tap it past Thatcher Demko. The Kings are up by two again. It's 3-1 to one before the five-minute mark of the third period. And the Kings' Swiss forward starts off this play, picking up the puck in his own zone, speeding through the no- neutral zone. The puck goes to Kopitar in a great cross-ice feed, and it looks like Fiala was going to skate by the net, but he just taps it right into the net to beat Thatcher Demko. Quick execution there by the LA Kings to make this 3-1. And the Canucks won't be happy about that because that was a soft penalty call. But in the end, the call happens there, Batch. And the LA Kings execute very, very quickly. Randy nails it. Soft call. Got to be able to fight through and kill penalties. The Canucks could not. Got back in the game after Bresser scored. Then 3-1. Canucks go on to lose 5-1 on home ice against the LA Kings. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar. Uh, we'll get back to the phone boards coming up in a second. We are going to hear more from Canucks players post game. Plus, Ian McIntyre will join us coming up in the final segment of the show. A lot of reaction on the text in the box. 650-650. Um, you know, this text message here says, uh, sure, Patterson pops in his points during good times. When has he ever dragged us into a game? And I said, well, he's leads the league in game-winning goals. He set an NHL record for most consecutive game winners. And then the response is, well, great. That's in the first 40 games of the season. And constantly in the goalposts move, right? And and that's my, my biggest criticism with the Patterson criticism is the continually shifting goalposts. They'll say something, you respond, well, actually this, actually that. no. Have a point, and if you're right about it, stick with it. You can't keep shifting the goalposts and, and trying to back yourself into finally, ah, I told you he's bad at this. It's like, okay, sure, fine. He struggled, no doubt about it, but uh, obviously one of the things to keep in mind. Uh, this one here says, you guys don't talk enough about Demko tonight. Uh, it's a good question. I was actually going to bring up Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was bad, but he's not making some of the saves that he was making earlier this season. 
And there was some post-to-post stuff, but also some stuff that kind of got through him. Now, I, I do think the Dowdy shot, it's like a layered screen. It's Hughes and it's Juleson. Bluger. You know, Bluger, sorry. Yeah. Bluger and Juleson. And Juleson's like right in his eyesight. And the puck's rolling and he gets a lot of velocity on it. I was trying to tr- track down the, the puck tracking data for that. I couldn't find how mm-hmm. fast that uh, slap shot was. I don't think the, the puck tracking was working there in that spot. But nonetheless, that one kind of gets through. I mean, not he's, not, as, he's not doing anything on the Fiala goal. The Fiala goal is not doing much on. Um, the Clark goal, um, like Besser's got to be there. Yeah. And then, like, the, the, the last three are not on him. Uh, it, it's the really, second goal? Yeah, the, but I, I thought that was, like, an unbelievable shot, too, by Kopitar. He's on the left dot, and he gets it to the far post. So, yeah, maybe he can be on that one. It's yeah, maybe, maybe be in the center a bit more on the net. But uh, it's also a low-high play. I, I agree. Th- these yeah. are the things you can look at and say, yeah, but, yeah, but. Sure. We're accustomed to see him saving one or two of those mm-hmm. a game, and he hasn't been doing it as much recently. And, you know, we spoke to Kevin Woodley as well, who's obviously been a big fan of uh, Demko's play and what he's done. But he did mention, too, on Demko's play that his saves above expected are quite not quite a where, they, where they used to be. Somebody mentions Demko backdoor. And the backdoor, that to me is not on the goalie. I think that's more on mm-hmm. your defenders. If what the Canucks want to do is get their goalie to play half the net. That's what they've talked about. We take care of the back door. We take care of the tap-ins. You focus on just handling your half of the net. That's something that recently is not being protected as much, and sometimes that can play tricks on a goalie because then you start cheating, you start not playing as aggressively, and that retreat can sometimes cause us some problems as well. Uh, we got a tweet earlier from MJ who said uh, this will be the fourth time in the past six games that Demko's save percentage will not be above 900. You had the... The Smith game against Minnesota and Canucks goaltending is officially in concerning territory. Uh, for me, that would be more defense than it is the goaltending, but stats are stats, and they've had their issues. Now, the, the Smith one, we, we we spent some time with that one, you know, off a skate, off yeah. your own players, five on threes, and he hasn't gotten back in. And this, look, this is five starts in a row now for Demko. Is there a little bit of slippage in the game for him? He, you know, he's played so well even in that stretch. Like he, uh, he played good against Boston. He played good against Pittsburgh. Um, but it, it, it's fair to say, like, when is Casey DeSmith going to get back into that? Yeah. No, Especially after like letting in eight goals, where I didn't think all of them were on him, or much of them were on him, to be honest the chance to not compete right away. And so Casey DeSmith has just been sitting here stewing on the idea that, like, hey, that that Minnesota game is my last one on record. And it's been uh, 10 days now. And uh, does he get the Anaheim start on Sunday? I would, I, or I do you feel so. like you want to win the game? And, and that's one thing, too. Uh, I'm not – we were talking about this on uh, the roundtable today. I don't want to dig into it too much. I wasn't as concerned about the workload as long as they can keep it to under 60 here, right? Obviously, 55 would have been nice, but even 58, 59 I can live with. But the longer the stretch goes, just don't get to a point where you get reticent to go to your backup goaltender, and next thing you know, that was like 60 starts, 61, 62. You're trying to get it back on track. That's what I don't want to see. You can always find a reason to to justify starting Thatcher Demko. And the fact you just said, like, hey, do you chase a win? Man, like, well, you don't trust yourselves to go get a win against the Anaheim Ducks? That's that's alarming to yeah. me. And it's a fair point, but you should trust in your systems. You should trust in your 
Staples, whatever you want to call it, to go into Anaheim and get a result. Yeah. If if the Smith can't win you a game like that, then yeah. there are bigger issues, and we think the Smith is capable mm-hmm. of doing that. We know that he is. All right. Uh, I, I just want to read one text okay. before we get to the phone line. Hey, guys, I feel like Baines took the energy out of the building with the first penalty 15 seconds in, and it didn't get a whole lot better for him. He had a really tough and, night. And, look, Rick Tuckett's not going to bury him. He's of a young player. Just a guy that they have a lot of hope and promise in, obviously. And he mentioned, you know, you, you got to be insulated in moments like today. But there were moments where – the start of the process of a play, I thought he did really well to, to find space and get your head up and, make, and try to make a play. But then you have to make a decision. And too many times he would skate into open areas, head up, and either not pick a pass or not slide it down low behind the goal line and allow his team to get on the forecheck. And th- there, were, there were some Kuzmenkoian moments at times from R.S.D. Baines that – got to clean those up. Let yeah. alone like the, the play where he can make it 4-3 and kind of get them back in the game. That's going to happen. He tries to make a play. He even almost makes a play to Sam Lafferty. But the other stuff, like the puck management, it, t- today was the one where I felt like the NHL speed maybe caught up to him. But it, it's just decision-making. You're, you're, you're sharper on that. Uh, that's stuff that can get cleaned up. But it, it's starting to now, like the adrenaline of, of – being in the show and might be starting to wane. That was always a challenge. When mm-hmm. you get past like the first couple of games, game four, five, six, seven, what does it look like? And tonight, he had a real hard time coming coming away with pucks. He was working hard, but it mm-hmm. just it just wasn't there for him tonight, you know. And I wouldn't say taking the early penalty is what sucked the life out of the building. The Canucks killed that penalty off. That was actually a pretty decent kill by the Canucks. Um, if anything, the thing that took the life out of the building was the power play. Yeah, their first power play was dreadful. Dreadful. Okay, so the coach went back to the lotto line tonight, late in the third. Didn't really amount to much. They they actually even got scored on and, and looked pretty bad on the line change and Besser's poor back check, like we mentioned. Did the is the coach missing the plot a bit with how they're handling the power play unit? Did, this game kind of screamed for one of the power plays to put the guys back out together. They didn't. They didn't really look At dangerous. two nothing. Now, mind you, Besser gets the goal. Sure, but. If if a moment to chase it, when you're concerned at five and five, are you doing too much all in? Well, power play, you're not going to put your best guys together down yeah. two. That is just yeah. I, maybe, I, maybe. I understand you want to like hey, have these guys take a break, but hey man, like recess is over. You got to win games. Get too. back to work. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. Let's go back to the phone board six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty, and let's go to. Cole in Vancouver. Cole, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us here tonight? Hey, guys. just want to say uh, you got, I think you guys do a great job. I'm a huge fan of the post game. Thanks, man. Uh, first thing is I think Vic, about two minutes ago, nailed it. If if the boys aren't confident going into Anaheim with the Smith, then there's bigger problems. You know, I mean, three regulation wins in the past 15 is, you know, a little concerning. But then again, it is, you know, not game 70, game game 80. We We can slump for a while. Um, one thing that I, I think is a huge concern is just, is just the chemistry after the Lindholm trade, you know, uh, it's, it can shake up a locker room when you, when you trade a guy like Kuzmenko, obviously he was struggling, but you know, he was always such a positive, um, kind of mindset in that room. And, uh, you mentioned that Phil, Phil Kessel isn't someone who's going to move the needle, um, offensively, but you know, it's good playoff experience. 
and just curious uh, your thoughts. And I also sat uh, the trade package you mentioned from Carolina. It's wondering if you're allowed to even elaborate on that uh, from earlier today. <laughs> allowed to. <laughs> hey, no, thanks Thanks for the phone call. Okay, so let, let, me, let me make this very, very clear. Pull a Pedersen and said, hey, I'm not talking about the trade package tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so – Today, a lot of stuff happened, yeah. right? Of course, we know. And this goes back to the whole Carolina Canucks thing or whatever. And uh, as we know, Elliot mentioned, there was an offer made. There are a lot of rumors going on today. And, and you know, I kind of mentioned that a lot of the people in the media this afternoon kind of got wind of something going on with Carolina. But this is why Friedman's the best, because oftentimes we hear similar things, but we can't verify it. He's, got, he's so connected, he can verify these things really well. And that's why you hear stuff, but you don't go with it because you have to make sure that you have it as good as possible. That's where Friedman excels. Like He hears stuff, and he's able to nail it down and find out one way or another most of the time whether something's accurate or not. It was kind of out there. There was some buzz. Could it have been Nick Cash, Nick Chas, Could it have been Kokanami? So I said, my best guess, and I said best guess. I didn't say I'm reporting this happened, was that it was – Nechas, Kokaniemi, Nechas, Nechas, uh, Kokaniemi, first round pick and a couple prospects. Like that's kind of what I would be looking at. What they would be throwing. I don't know what the prospects were, mm-hmm. but I would rather keep Pedersen than take that type of an offer. Is that even a good enough offer? F- you know, you think that would even it's get rather Vancouver uninspiring to some degree. It's 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 volume to match the probable value, the but way, it's, the, it's kind of uninspiring. What I know is Aho wasn't offered. The best I know yeah. is that Aho wasn't offered in the deal. Nor Svechnikov. Exactly. Like, uh, yeah, Aho Svechnikov. They weren't being offered in the deal, right? It seems to me the Canucks, whatever the offer was, instead of being like, yeah, we'll, we'll actually make this trade, used it as an opportunity to get Pedersen back to the bargaining table to some degree. Now maybe they're higher on some of the pieces, and we don't know all the pieces, and maybe we're truly, you know, considering it. But it seems to me that. As much as they considered it, they maybe used the opportunity to get Pedersen back to the bargaining table more than anything else. So I think we can we can get wrapped up in the package, whatever it may, it may or may not have been. But I think that's the main point here. It was enough for the Canucks to be able to use it to get Pedersen back to the bargaining table. Some high-stakes poker, man. Yeah. They... They're aggressive, man. Oh, they have been. Very, very, very Some aggressive. Just... The tactics that they can use in moments like this. It, it really was their only leverage to say, hey, like we might have to explore the trade market. It, just floored that the willing to and how public it was so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll continue interacting with you. We'll get to um, some player reaction coming up on the other side. Let's take one more phone call before the break, and we'll try to get one more in on the other side. Uh, Let's go to Chris, who's been waiting patiently to get on. Chris calling in uh, from Maple Ridge. Thanks, Chris. Uh, What do you have for us here tonight? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Much appreciated. Uh, I'm going a different route on this. Um, I think we've been dealing with this since realistically before the end of the season. Um, this has been creeping in and creeping in. Um, as we all know, I mean, you, or the coaching staff did something amazing. I mean, the hockey world noticed us on that part and everything that they came into the season with. Um, the structure, I think, is the best way of putting this, that they – written stone that this is the way this team is going to play now and in the future. And this is going to be, again, the density, whatever on it. We saw our defense of how aggressive it was on that part. We defended the neutral zone 
our blue line was like a wall. Anybody who got past that, we hunted them down, took them off the puck, or very least took the puck off of them. That's go back and look at the shot totals on us, right? We were in the teens. Lucky if you got 20 on us. Then on to our forwards, we were a north-south team. We all saw how fast we were with slow players. We carried the puck in constantly. No chipping, no tipping, dump and chase, lump and dump, whatever you want to call it on that. Three lines rolling, constant guys scoring, right? Four, five, six players over and over and over on that, right? Proof is in the pudding. Anyways, what I've seen is, well, I'm jump back for a minute, sorry, was I remember talking on one of his uh, after-game interviews, and he said, the problem I see right now is our defense is skating backwards. That cannot happen. Hmm. What I see now is basically there's problems everywhere on the ice. Our defense is extremely passive now. We don't do anything. Guys skate in, and it's like no different than letting mice run into your home, right? Now you've got to try and chase them down. It ends up being problems <laughs> on that part, right? Truthfully, yeah. when you think about it, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's good on that part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is. Like I said, why we go after, you know, don't let the mouse in to begin with is mm-hmm. what we used to do. Don't let it happen now. And then we immediately go into the shot block mode. There's no nothing. Guys set up, and away we go on that part. And same thing. Now there's no north-south play. We don't have even east-west. It's some sort of weird thing, and we can't carry a puck in for the life of us. All we do is chip, tip, whatever. The game's puck possession, right? And yeah. You control the puck. You control every aspect of the game. We did that before. So where this comes down to me, why is the coaching staff not being held accountable for it? You guys right. built hey, it. Hey, you hey, proved I, it. Done, you got, right? I got it. Hey, Chris, sorry to cut you off. We're up against the clock. Have to hit the break here. But kind of build on some of those thoughts on the other side. I don't disagree with a lot of what he said in terms of blaming the coaching staff. Sure, you can hold them accountable. But I do think he's right about how much they're retreating and not contesting plays. We'll talk about that. Get to more of your phone calls and text messages. Plus, we'll hear from Ian McIntyre and more thoughts on Canucks players post game after a 5-1 loss right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Peronic right point, spins it back behind the net for Patterson. Protecting it from Kopitar on the inboards. Anze Kopitar steals the puck from Elias Patterson with relative ease. And now Lewis gets it out to center for Clark. Left wing to Byfield, into the Vancouver end, three on two. Byfield in front to Clark, and he scores. What a play to the backhand. As the Kings strike in transition, a couple of their young stars, Quinton Byfield and Brant Clark combine. It's Clark's second of the year, and it's 4-1 Kings. Another sweet passing play by the LA Kings here as they enter the zone. Quinton Byfield goes backdoor pass to Brant Clark and looked like Brock Besser was with Clark, but just put his foot off the gas just a little bit, and Brant Clark ends up taking advantage of that. You always fall back on your foundation and staples when things are struggling. Um, for me, it's, 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 you know, us coaches got to do a better job. It's the, the leadership group has to make sure that they stick together and do a good job. And it's individuals as, a, as themselves look at themselves and say, hey, what can I do better? So it's a collective thing. It's an organizational thing for us right now. Um, 
we are lacking some staples. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, after 5-1 loss, lacking the staples. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. Uh, you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-279-0650. Um, you know, the caller previously, Chris, mentioned how the players are playing and mentioned the coaching staff and are they is he getting the players to do the same way. I don't think they've changed anything about their approach. Could you criticize the coaching staff anytime a team is struggling? Sure, I think it's fair. You can mm-hmm. always question, especially deployment and, and how you're going with your lineup and everything. I think all those things are fair. I'm not sure, though, what they're not doing is related to the coaching. Could it be, you know, what they're doing with their D pairs? But I think that's also a reflection of how much some of these guys have struggled. Like Ian Cole, we mentioned, looks like he's behind the pace a little bit. You know, he made a bad read. Um, uh, on a Kopitar, he thought Kopitar's going to dump it in, and, and we'll play some of the auto coming up in a little bit. But I, I think a lot of the stuff that you saw tonight has been from individual struggles. Quinn's not playing at his best. And I think the point that I really agree with Chris is there's a lot of retreating going on in their own zone. And even when they defend, they're very passive. When they were at their best at parts of the season, they always contest plays. They're, they're aggressive through the mm-hmm. neutral zone, contesting plays, sticks on sticks, getting on pucks, hounding guys down, closing space down aggressively, keeping a good gap. And it seems like there's too much retreating going on now as a team. And that's something that they have to have to change. Uh, and, and not even just that, the other thing that we can talk about with, with the coaching staff, and Ken's making this point, tweeting us here, Tockett said he thinks Pedersen gets a lot of offensive confidence from the power play, and its futility is impacting him right now. So his, his solution is to split the power play into two units and not get Pedersen out there much at all on the power play. It makes no sense. And Johnny also tweeted us saying, the power play the last couple of games with JT and Bester, that unit has two goals. Why are you guys so bummed out on the power play? The first power play of the game. One of the worst power plays you'll see. Yeah, I mean, they've, so the, these last two games now, they scored two power play goals. But their process on the power yes. play has been really poor. Now, they got a couple goals, and give credit to it. But in terms of generating chances and you know getting momentum going and, and putting the team in duress, they're not really doing that on the man advantage. That first power play, one of the worst zone entries by that Miller grouping. It's just a pass all the way up the wall. It, it looked like a five-on-five tip-in. Say, hey, we got it in deep. Let's go for a change. We'll, we'll fight to get the puck back in. It's the power play. And they had no chance to retrieve that puck. It's an easy clear. And then the next one, the, the the same power play, but the next unit comes out. It's Lindholm and Pedersen on another dump in. They do not get close to Drew Doughty on a retrieval. Yeah. And it's an easy exit. And both guys, we're talking about playing retreating, they were close. They both chose to pull up and pull out of physical contact. Lindholm and Pedersen. And it's a moment like that. It's, you're meant to be playing desperate hockey yeah. here. 100%. And you're not getting that. And this text here says, not a great night for a lot of the stars. 40, 43, 53, 57, 21, 40. Wasn't a good night all around. Myers couldn't make a three-foot pass. Overall, LA played good, playing for playoff position. Nux, not enough desire tonight. I think that's it's fair. Yeah. Like A lot of those guys mentioned there didn't really bring it tonight. I, I do want to highlight the one power play goal just really quickly on a positive. 
they actually the adjustment this, they did. They, yeah, they, this was actually really well done by them because they try to set up a, a bumper shot for Brock Besser, set up by JT, and Gavrikov played it perfectly. You watch it; there's nobody with Gavrikov on his post, so he's able to protect that spot, yeah. get out to Besser, block that shot, and then Suter engages with Gavrikov. Garland comes down to the other post, and so both D men are pinned to the post. Yeah, they have to they have to account for Garland being back door. Yes, yeah. and so now Brock goes to Garland's side but is on the other circle at the hash and LA can't rotate fast enough you can even see Gavrikov kind of point to try to to, to, to nobody in particular but like hey someone's got to watch Brock and JT threads that pass through again and this time Brock is well, able both, to score both goals that it's actually Brock that has scored in the power mm-hmm. play the last couple of games have come from similar plays where he's popping into space and mm-hmm. JT's passing him the puck. That's the one play they're getting off, and they scored twice on it, but that's pretty much all they're generating right now on the man advantage. Uh, Torgi says, I missed the game, but sounds like they ate the elephant too fast. That's not a bad one, too. <laughs> all right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in. Uh, let's take a phone call here before we get to some player audio post game from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, okay, we just lost our, the caller who was on. So let's get to the player audio. Now, we mentioned Ian Cole. Ian Cole has been fantastic this year. The last couple weeks, game has struggled a little bit. Had a real bad moment on the ice here tonight, but here he is meeting with the media uh, and, and talks about how things went tonight and, and how the team might get judged. Um, well, uh, you know, I've said it before this year, we get judged on whether we win or lose, and uh, not only did we lose, we lost 5-1 in a game that, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't play well enough, and that's becoming uh, the story too often. Uh, we need to fix it. I think sometimes these teams are a little more intensity and fighting for, for a little more understandings. Yeah, I mean, y- yes, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be ready for it or expect it, right? Um, I think we have just as much to fight for as anybody. Um, you know, we want to try to secure home ice. You want to get as high of a seat as we can. We want to win games. You want to go into playoffs playing well, not struggling to find our game. So um, if we look at it with that lens, there should be no reason why teams are more engaged or whatever you want to call it. Even the top teams in the league go through tough stretches throughout the season. What do you guys have to prioritize to try and get out of it? Yeah, I mean, you know, every year there's ebbs and flows. And you know, we said that from the beginning. Uh, things are going great early. Uh, you know, we're winning games we probably shouldn't have. Uh, you know, now we're not playing well. And the only way to get out of these slumps is, is to work through it. Um, the only way you come out uh, better for it on the other end is to work your way through it and understand uh, that maybe, you know, there needs to be a little more desperation and, um, you know, all the cliche words, certainly, but they all apply. So um, that's really the only thing we should be focusing on at this point. With the way the Kings take away time and space, trap up the middle, does it really prioritize moving your feet more, attacking more with your feet? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, sure, if they throw the puck out and there's separation, yeah, certainly move your feet. We want to quick up it. We want to try to play fast, absolutely. Um, you know, when they get set into that 1-3-1, uh, a lot of times you're skating the puck right into somebody. Uh, they make you dump it, and they have that one guy sitting way back for a clean breakout. So, um, you yeah, know, we need to figure out a way to play against these guys. This is a good team. There's a high probability we see them, uh, well, certainly next week, but then also you know, come playoff time. So, um you know, it, it is what it is. Maybe maybe we're disjointed. I'm not sure. But uh, we'll have to take a look at the tape and, and figure out a way to, to, to beat that. Take me through there. Uh, power play goal, third goal in the back door. Did you think he was going to dump it in the corner? I gotta <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the, the probability that he made that play was, was quite low. Um, and, uh, you know, you're trying to read and, you know, make uh, decisions as, as best you can. Uh, I thought the chance of him rimming that down below uh, to Fial behind the net was, uh, was quite high. 
Uh, so I went to go cut it off. Um, he made a nice play. Fowler didn't even see it till it hit a stick. Um, you know, it, it happens. So bad read by me can't happen. Um, and we gotta we gotta start killing more penalties. So that is Ian Cole after a five-one loss against the LA Kings, and mentions how he made the wrong run, wrong uh, read on that play. Thought Kopitar was gonna dump it in and. You know, vacates the front of the net. Next thing you know, the backdoor play is wide open, uh, and they convert on that play. He mentions teams are going to go through this, mentions maybe being a bit disjointed. There, the connectivity or lack thereof was certainly noticeable here tonight with the players. Mm-hmm. You know, we know when they're playing their best, or they connect passes really well. They really struggled with that. And it wasn't just like one. It was like pretty much the whole group. We, Quinn's usually the best at this, coming out of sure. his own zone and at the very least making one or two pa- good passes. He had real trouble just getting out of his own zone at times, handling the puck, making the right read. That connectivity just was not there for the group. And even in moments when someone won a battle, they would face up and look to make a play. No support. Yeah. No support. And <laughs> On something as simple as a zone entry, there's an awkward play between uh, Baines and Lindholm, I think it was, on, on a zone entry where Baines kind of left a puck for Lindholm, who was kind of reading the play differently. Yeah. And it just looked like a rookie just left a puck just for somebody else. Yeah. And it just on stuff like that, it was just awkward all evening long. And this was the worst it's been over the course of this stretch, but this is where like my personal level of concern like, starts to raise. Can they adapt and figure it out? Absolutely. But the the Seattle one to me was just laughably bad. There was nothing to take out. That was just fatigue. This is like there's no reason for fatigue at this stage. No. I, I now, get, and by the way, the team just announced day off tomorrow. Yeah, and the coach was alluding to yeah. that, maybe having a day off and practice and probably fly out on, on Saturday after maybe a skate to play the Ducks on Sunday. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, as you would imagine. Dave says the Canucks need more urgency for sure. Definitely notice the loss of Joshua and the physicality. And others have texted that into Rob and Victoria. This team does not look the same since Joshua went down. In terms of how hard they play and along the walls, that's one place where in a game like this, they could have used his wall work. The coach mentions how he's a wall guy for them. Mm-hmm. And in a game where you needed those types of battles and come away a with the A lot of this game was played along the, yeah. the boards. Today. And the Canucks won too many times were the second best team along the boards. Uh, 650-650. Uh, Kian texting in. Sorry if I got your name wrong. But a uh, long-time listener, first-time texter. Poor game tonight. Sluggish effort all around, regardless of how the team played. The mass exodus at five goals was disappointing to see. I need to get behind the boys and support them all the way to the finals. Let's go, Canucks. Right. Hey, somebody that uh, still believes. Yeah, and you got a hard one, kid. Uh, 650-650. Juleson just doesn't have the confidence with the puck to play with Hughes. He needs a puck mover. Uh, that one is uh, on Noah Juleson, unsigned text. We've had this conversation with uh, Brett Fesseling, who I think will be back. No, no, no Sunday yeah, game, not Sunday a Saturday game. game. Uh, but the idea of... Like when Juleson plays lower in the lineup, you're playing with someone similar to you, and so yeah. you play your game. When you play with Quinn Hughes, you're adapting your game to play with Quinn Hughes. Now, this is the first time in, in some time that they've done this, but it's different, obviously. You're there in a very support role. Noah Juleson's been very, very impressive here these last two and a half, three months. It's asking a lot to move him up. It's a different it's a different reality. Yeah, now, exactly. And tonight overall, the D-pairs struggled. I'm not sure anybody came out on top. Uh, all right, let's take one more phone call here. Let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Garrett on the line on the 
on the hotline. What's going on, Garrett? What do you have here for us tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. Always appreciate the post game and your comments. You guys do a fabulous job. Big shout out to my boys, Sonny and Langley. We were at the game tonight, and uh, you know what? The boys looked a little gassed, maybe on cruise control. They didn't have that urgency they've had all year. But guys are getting hard on them. you got to give them a little bit of a break. They've been going 100% every game all year long. It's going to wear a little bit on them. They're in a little bit of a lull. They'll snap out of it. We're a great hockey team, and the boys are working hard. I just think uh, everyone should ease off a little bit, and that's it. Uh, hey, uh, you got it. Thanks for the phone call, Gary to Maple Ridge, saying be patient. Be a little patient here uh, with everything going on. And Back-to-back home losses, though, Sat. First yeah. time all year. First time it happens. It's, it's a tough stretch. Canucks have lost six of their last seven games. They are officially in a slump. The question is, how do they get out of it? They have a three-game road trip, which begins on Sunday against the Ducks, and they play the LA Kings again pretty quickly next week as well. So perhaps a measure of revenge could be in the cards for that game. All right, it's time to bring in the man we call the triple threat. Oftentimes referred to as a closer. He's closing this one out tonight. You watched him on TV, not today, took the day off. You read him on digital, and you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. Yes, I was on television as much as Big Nazar tonight. <laughs> By the way, I only followed half of what you said, Sad, because I come in, I see... A I burger, saved it for you. I a, saved it for you. Oh, you saved that for me? Yeah. A burger over his shoulder, <laughs> a tuna or salmon poke. No, no, no it's, a, it's a chicken salad. Oh, chicken salad. Bull. It's not mine either. None of this is mine. You guys in radio, you know, we make, I, I jest about television, yeah. as you know. I'm making as much fun of myself as I am about you when I talk about television. But you guys in radio and the food you get, oh man! Well, and, and we got to make up the salary somehow. It may, yeah, it makes me long for minimum wage and a microphone. Uh, I, I would say though, even the food is very sporadic. This is one of the very few times where there's actually there's some leftover afterwards. There's been a there's been some drama about the food. I'm not sure how much we can reveal about oh. this. Yeah, there has been some uh, drama. There's some complaining. I about can enjoy the car ride home. There's been, yeah, there's been some complaining. Oh, yeah, I'll bro. tell you some stuff maybe on the way okay. home. But yeah, some complaining about some people eating too much of the food. And there's oh. not enough left. And then there's, you know, come on. Their hand in their hands right yeah. Let's just do it right now. Tell me who yeah, that is. Some, some of the producers complaining to, to, the, to the stadium people. Oh. And then their response was bringing less food the next time. So yeah. there's, there's been some drama over this. Okay. There's been some drama over this. Oh, well, I'll look, oh, I'll look forward me. to that. And even stealing chairs. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. It's like a it's like a high school uh, clicky circus going on. I don't know yeah. what's happening. You know, nobody eats a leftover burger. <laughs> like nobody ever eats a cold burger. I, not that I don't appreciate the gesture, but it's, it's it's not a leftover food. No, but media members would. Would they really? Some some I, would. I, I think so. Yeah. I've been around enough that would. <laughs> I only say because I have <laughs> big wood. See, Big's I don't like I don't think pizza is that great, but part of the appeal is that it's as good the next day. Certainly, yeah. Uh, cold or hot. The Canucks, cold or hot? Which one's more enjoyable? <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about this now, are we? The man turned 40 and he just well, wants to segue. I'm going, that yeah. poll question is not close, cold or hot, the Canucks. No, the Canucks are cold right now. Yes. And yeah. it's not as tasty. <laughs> Stop. Stop. You almost had it. Almost. Yes. You went, you went too, too far. far. Yeah, too exactly. Far. No, don't you always say, know your limit, play within it, Sat? But the thing, I don't know my limit until I pass oh, okay. it. That's my problem half All the right. time. Yeah. Yeah, the unfortunately that Saturday game against Boston just seems like an outlier because it's 
it's been a real slog uh, these last seven games, and there isn't much to take from it. Uh, honestly, they're they're consistently getting outworked, at least lately, other than the Boston game. Again, put the Boston game aside. Getting outworked, they're not sharp mentally, they're not playing with the pace that they had earlier in the season, and they're not showing well against top teams that eventually they would need to beat if they actually want to do anything. So it, it's not a great time. They they look to me like they're just uh, exhausted. They look tired physically because their feet are moving slow, and they look they look worn out mentally because their brains are moving slow. Mm-hmm. And it might be uh, that that hellacious February schedule caught up to them. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes you get through, you know, the 10 games in 17 days. Sometimes you get through that and you think, oh, oh we're through it. But you're actually still paying the price for it, mm-hmm. you know, in, in games to come. It's like living badly. Just because you stop eating pizza and drinking too much beer it doesn't mean that the next day you're yes. going to feel great it's going to f- affect you for a while so i don't know why i use that analogy i apologize <laughs> by the way i'm sorry for my color palette of what i'm wearing tonight it looked okay in my bedroom lighting but i've got you know this is great radio isn't it talking was, about whatever i wasn't going to say anything i uh, will say though at least your the combos work because black can go with brown and the blue can fit in with Navy blue can fit in with pretty much everything. Okay. And then you have both a couple of different shades of brown. I, to me, you you pull it off. It's not the worst photo. My pop. theory is if the individual items are good, yeah. everything The colors work. don't matter? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I, they, they wear socks and sandals on the runways of Paris. All rules of fashion are broken, all right? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I just fell off the 1970s or something with all You're these fine. clashing colors. What were we talking about? Uh... Ah, uh, whatever. The team tonight. Oh, the the t- yeah. The, I mean, yeah. The ten. Uh, I think. I think they are tired. I, I know they are tired. It's just a matter of is the rest alone going to be enough? Because that's another that's another uh, cardinal mistake that teams and individuals often make is if you're tired. Hey, oh, all I need is a day to refresh. Yeah. Right. And well, that doesn't do it if you're. If now you've lost your execution, you've lost that sort of mental sharpness about how you need to play and where you need to be and so that it's instinctive and you're not, you know, the gears aren't grinding through your head as you're trying to play a game. But they are going to get a lot of time in March. Uh, they're going to be <laughs> home possibly too long, nine games in yeah. a row. Those games are spread out. Over, uh, I think it's 24 days. By the way, they just played in February, 13 games in 24 days. So now they're going to get nine in, th- in 24 days with zero travel. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've been everywhere yeah. since since the All Star break. So that could help. I mean, that will help, but only if they sharpen up their habits and the staples that talk it talks about. So we'll we'll see. the 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 good thing about all of this is that they've they've played themselves into a surplus, mm-hmm. a point surplus. And yes, they want to, you know, go wire to wire and win the division and have the top seed. But look at the teams 
in the Pacific? Really, is is anyone going to be a heavy favorite over anyone? Other than, you know, let's see what the form of each team is like. Sure. Let's see what the health of each team is like as the playoffs begin. But right now, you know, Vancouver, L.A., Edmonton, Vegas, it doesn't really matter who you're going to play if you're playing the way the Canucks are uh, right now. But they do have that luxury of having had a great a great first uh, two-thirds of the season. They're not in danger of missing the playoffs. They are in danger of not finishing first, but, uh, again, I don't think that's paramount. They just have to start to u- using another talk at term. Another word, egregious, which I love tonight. Used it five times in the first <laughs> two minutes. The word of the night, yes. egregious. Uh, they have to chip away at their game. They have to start, mm-hmm. you know, turn it around and start getting better instead of worse because they were worse tonight than they were against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh, they were obviously worse than they were against Boston, which was one of their few superior games since very early after the All-Star break. Yeah. So. I know Ian Cole's mentioned this too. Of we can't just rely on, like, we're, we're in first place and we're okay. Right. But that urgency... Look, this is still is six games in seven or six losses in their last seven. You have the luxury of the lead of being ten points up on Vegas, eleven points up on Edmonton. They're not pushing you for that urgency yet, but internally you should be feeling the urgency. And tonight there were just so many simple plays, like passes, that they were just getting wrong. And okay, maybe you want to chalk it up to fatigue, but you should be trying to write this. Right? Yeah. Well, I I think if you're if you're a great team, much like great players, and we can talk about that in a minute, but. Uh, if you're a great team, you manufacture that urgency. Like you, there, there isn't a game that you go into where you kind of, ah, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. You know that that's not how great teams think. And I don't think the Canucks are thinking, oh, well, whatever. But clearly, they don't have the same desperation and urgency that, that a lot of their opponents do. Now, yeah, is the fatigue part of that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. But again, if if you want to win something. You know, what you're going to face in the playoffs mm-hmm. to, to try to win four rounds, to try to win one round, yeah. to make it to make it to the final eight or the top quarter of the league, uh, you're going to face harder things than what the Canucks are facing right now. So it would be a little more encouraging if they handled this spell a little better than than how they seem to be handling it at the moment. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned the stars. I thought, again, maybe a low bar. JT was the best among the stars, but most engaged in the game. Right. You know, like if, if there was a Canuck that was coming out with the puck, come hell or high water, it was JT. The rest it was really, it seemed like the Kings were coming away with most of the pucks here tonight. Patterson's game, there's some moments, but obviously it's not where it needs to yeah, be. The coach. Was- I didn't like him tonight. Yeah, and, and the coach, obviously, not so much talking about it today, but has talked about him quite a bit the last couple of days. We all know what's going on with the contract situation and the latest developments today that perhaps a contract or a or trade talks between the Canucks and Hurricanes at least spurred them to get Pedersen back to the negotiating table. What do you th- – I mean, it's hard for us to guess, but w- what do you see that – is it as simple as he's just going through a slump? Is he? Is it distracted? Where do you think things are at with Pedersen? And, and is it as simple as once he gets a contract figured out, he'll, he'll be back to where he is? Because no, it, no. It's, it's, it's gone longer than just a few games it, now. It's not, it's not that simple, although I don't doubt that that's uh, a factor. I mean, mm-hmm. Pedersen, you know, saying yesterday that he's human and he hears, hears the noise, and this was before the Cerevalli tweet came out. Yeah. So. 
you know, maybe circumstances changed yesterday afternoon after I talked to him. But, you know, talk at yesterday was excellent in, you know, very thoughtful in talking about Pedersen. And, you know, he's got, he's 25 years old and he's still learning. And talk it talked about his practice habits and that he was, that Pedersen had been resting in practice because he plays so much in games. There's a lot expected of him. He expects a lot of himself. And according to Talkit, you can't prepare that way. Like, you you need to go hard. You need to push yourself in yeah. practice. So he said that's one thing. But I think part of that practice is, again, the fatigue. And, and you know, Pedersen's a lot stronger player physically, far stronger than he was when he entered the league. But he is still a slight player. He takes a, a lot of uh, beating, and he... he you know, to his credit, he goes to hard places. Like he's he's on the wall, yeah. and he's in the corners, and he's in front of the net, and people are leaning on him. And it's 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 not easy when you're whatever Patterson, yeah. 185 pounds, say. I don't know what his weight is, but you know, he's a slight player, high center of gravity. He takes and and he's a wonderful offensive player. So he's targeted anyways. Yeah. He he you know guys would be leaning on him even if he was 225 pounds. JT Miller gets leaned on. But JT Miller's a little little uh better prepared or equipped <laughs> physically to handle that. So I think I think there's a lot of things going into this. I I do, do think it's a bit of a distraction, but right now, you know, it doesn't it doesn't look good. I mean, star players and I'm not just talking about Pete. I'm talking about any star player. They don't go four or five games in a row where they're where they're quiet. They might have an off night. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody does. They do have off nights. Maybe there's two games in a row where Sidney Crosby is really quiet and you hardly notice him, or Kucherov does nothing. But by the third game, Crosby is Crosby again, and and McDavid's McDavid, and. I know that's uh, – I'm talking about elite players, generational players, some of the best guys who have ever played this game. But, you know, simply on a contractual number, Pedersen is going to be paid in that group among those guys. So uh, I think he needs to find a way, and again, Talkett points out he's 25 years old, he's still learning, needs to find a way to be effective mm-hmm. when he's not feeling his best when he doesn't have the most energy when he doesn't feel his strongest he still has to find a way to make more of an impact than what he has done in a lot of these games recently yeah no i I think that's a very fair point and that's one of the things that obviously he has to do a lot better in and uh we'll see how the canucks fare on this three-game road trip are you heading out to anaheim i am I'm going tomorrow. I wondered if I was going to miss a press conference. Tomorrow, you're going early then. You're going tomorrow. I'm going uh, tomorrow. Okay. My my wife is going to go to L.A. for the first ah. time since pre-pandemic. Oh, very good. Yes, I cleared this with my boss to go a day early a long time ago because I, I knew looking at the schedule, the Canucks yeah. very unlikely to practice today. Yeah. And ev- even if I didn't go till Saturday, I wouldn't be at their practice because I'd be on a plane anyway. Right. So. Uh, but when it, we talked about this a month ago, we did, know, you know, it's a week before the tread, trade deadline. Okay, you know what might happen? Oh, no, we're probably okay. We're okay. We didn't think Lo that, and behold. We didn't think there would be negotiations going on for to make a guy possibly the 
highest paid player in franchise history. But yeah, we'll see. And we'll it see. might be. I don't know that we're. Th- I don't know that we're there yet. I don't know if we're that close either. Um, well, but again, these things can happen quickly, and maybe it does move tomorrow. But I, I think you might be safe in, in getting there tomorrow yeah. without without it being. Well, bad. I'm not. I don't look. I I hope I am, but if I have to write, I will because it'll be a, a hugely significant event, and it is a work trip for me. So it's still I, work. My wife may be coming, but so is my laptop. So, right. and I mean, and I guess you're going to have to tell her you're chatting with us on Sunday night too for yeah. ten minutes. Yes, we'll see. Yeah, well, she's she's not going to the game. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Then we'll have. Ian she won't care game. that I'm yeah. still at the the Honda Center talking to you guys at 11:15 in the evening. Well, so. it's an earlier game. I think five. Oh, it start. is. You're five right. Start. You're right. So it won't be too late of a night. You yeah. can enjoy the town a bit afterwards as well. Hopefully, I hope uh, she's back in the suitcase. You've been to Anaheim, right? Yeah. The town is Disneyland. Yeah. Disneyland's probably closed by. Actually, there's a nice neighborhood. <laughs> called called Chapman, uh, which is very near the pond. It's old sort of California with a town circle and a huge fountain and some... I'm trying to think what those, those trees are that you only see in Hollywood and stuff, but anyways, not palm not trees. Not palm trees. No. Sequoias? No, no, they're they're kind of sharp and pointy. I, I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyways, there, there are some beautiful areas down there. But it's uh, not when you say enjoy the town. It's... Yeah. 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 Well, you know what, Ian? Fantastic stuff as always. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. And if you missed his chat with Elias Pedersen, great article on sportsnet.ca from yesterday as Thank well. Uh, he's Ian McIntyre. He's Bick Nazar. He's in it for me tomorrow. I'm taking the day off. Now, huh. if Elias Pedersen actually does sign, you may hear from me at some point, but I'm only for a few bumped. minutes. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not pumped. No, no, yeah. I'm not coming back. I'm saying I may do a hit sure. with you guys, but I'm not coming back to do the sure. entire show. All right. It's Satyar Shaw. He's Bick Nazar. Thanks to Ian McIntyre. Thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. And all of you for listening, participating in the show. We appreciate it very much. Can't wait to be back at it again for the next game on Sunday when the Canucks travel to Anaheim. You've been listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange. So the, so the game is over, but is your night really done? The five is open.